Have you been living with the emotional or physical effects caused by abortion? Well, today, help is on the way. Stick around. Let's talk about it. Houston, we have a problem. Habemos papan. Podcasting from a parking lot in the Woodlands, Texas, it's the Catholic Hack with Joe McLean. Take this, all of you, and eat it. This is my body, which will be given up for you. 1 Peter 3.15. Always be ready to give an explanation to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. Take this, all of you, and drink from it. This is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant. It will be shed for you and for all, so that sins may be forgiven. The Church of the Living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 Do this in memory of Well, welcome back to The Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean. This is episode number 78. Today, we speak with Michaeline Friedenberg. Michaeline is a familiar face among Catholic circles, although she herself is not Catholic. She, she has a website that is geared to helping people overcome the emotional and physical damage caused by abortion. It's called AbortionChangesYou.com. Today, we have a, a great conversation with her, and I'm very eager to share that with you. Unfortunately, much to my own shame, this has been an interview I recorded months ago and just haven't been able to get to. So I'm excited about bringing this forward finally and pray that you'll forgive me for taking so long. And before the show ends, I also am very excited to share with you a story, a very brief story about one of the listeners, one of the very first listeners to this podcast, a man who lives down in uh, in San Antonio, Texas. And this is another one of those things that I've been wanting to share for some time, and I thought on this particular show, it seems to be a good fit. I also want to just say how how proud I am of how ConvertObama.com has done. Currently, we're at 514 people offering up their sacrifices and their prayers during the season of Lent for the conversion of President Obama. I'm very proud that the community has come together that way. It means a lot to me, and I hope that your Lent is going well, and I hope that your Lenten sacrifices are on target and on track. And if not, well, tomorrow is a new day, and we can always pick up from there. So after the interview, I'd also like to just catch you up to, as to what I've been doing at Fullness of Truth and what what's coming down that way, plus a special giveaway contest. It's all coming your way right after the interview. But before we do that, we begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, glory and power and honor be to God Almighty forever and ever. God Most High, you alone are worthy of praise. You alone are worthy of all that we have to give. We thank you for the grace to live life daily, walking with us every step of the way, We pray for those who suffer through abortion. We pray that they might know the grace of God in their lives. We pray to be used by you to interact with them today. May grace be granted to them and to all who suffer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Jerusalem Temple was the architectural marvel of antiquity. 
It was the one place on earth where God's people could offer an atoning sacrifice. Yet it was for all of that a concession to human weakness. God wanted to give something better for a temple. He wanted to give himself. Find out more next on Breaking the Bread. Jesus didn't come to destroy the covenant, but to fulfill it, nor to destroy the temple, but to rebuild it and to reveal its true purpose in God's saving plan. He is the Lord, the prophet said would come, to purify the temple, to banish the merchants and make it a house of prayer for all peoples and nations. The God who made the heavens and the earth, who brought Israel out of slavery, doesn't dwell in sanctuaries made by human hands, nor does he need offerings of oxen, sheep, or doves. Notice in this Sunday's first reading that God did not originally command animal sacrifices, only that Israel heed his commandments. His law was a gift of divine wisdom, just as we sing in our responsorial psalm this Sunday. It was a law of love, perfectly expressed in Christ's self-offering on the cross. This is the sign Jesus offers in this Sunday's gospel, the sign that caused Jewish officials to stumble as Paul tells us in our epistle this Sunday. Jesus' body, destroyed on the cross and raised up three days later, is the new and true sanctuary. And from the temple of his body, rivers of living water flow. The Holy Spirit of divine grace that makes each of us a temple and together builds us into a dwelling place of God. In the Eucharist, we participate in that offering of his, the offering of his body and blood, this is the acceptable worship in spirit and in truth that our God and our Father desires. We are to offer praise as our sacrifice, and this means imitating Christ by offering our bodies, all of our intentions and actions in every circumstance for the love of God and for the love of others. This is Scott Hahn for Breaking the Bread. Breaking the Bread is a production of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. If you'd like to receive written copies of Dr. Hahn's reflections on the Sunday Mass readings, you can contact us by email at staff at salvationhistory.com or call us at 740-264-9535. That's 740-264-9535. If you've experienced abortion, then you know how painful it really is and how much it affects your life. Well, today our guest can help. Her name is Michaeline, and we're going to roll up our sleeves, and we're going to dive deep, and we're going to get into the truth about abortion recovery with AbortionChangesYou.com. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! This even just a little bit I get hit with the power that made the veil in the temple split When I submit, fall on the floor and the door Can't get enough, got to come back for some more Hey, we've got a problem here Sinner, every woman in the creek can benefit in this school Repent and commit Roger that the incense rises up in adoration of the throne Something happens to my wounded heart from all the love revealed and shown Bright light, Shekinah comes to my head to persist The change and sustain the way I think it exists
rises to feel the bliss because my name is in the book of life's list. That's what happens when you sit in the school of the Eucharist. Mr. Hammond, take her down. Make your depth 150 feet, 10 degree down bubble. 150 feet, 10 degree down bubble. Aye, sir. Dive, dive, dive. Welcome back to The Catholic Hack. I'm Joe McLean, and today our special guest is Michaeline Friedenberg. Michaeline brings a unique and compassionate perspective to the abortion discussion due to her personal experience. She is a frequent speaker and guest lecturer at universities and events. In recent years, Michaeline advocated before United States House and Senate committee hearings about the need for studies that evaluate the emotional and physical impact of all pregnancy outcomes. Michaeline is the creator of the Abortion Changes You Outreach. Additionally, Michaeline is an associate producer of the Fox 6 My TV 13 documentary Teen Pregnancy Real Lives, Real Choices. She founded the Women's Resource Committee that publishes a comprehensive directory of services for pregnant and parenting women in San Diego County. She also serves as the chair for the San Diego County Commission on the Status of Women. Ms. Friedenberg is married and the mother of two boys. In addition to boogie boarding and snorkeling, she loves to read, play the piano, attend classical music concerts, and train at the San Diego Academy of Ballet. Michaeline, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate your time today, and this is a uh, a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I myself have um, have gone through abortion, and um, and it's uh, a very emotional. Um, Issue and it's uh, obviously a uh, a big deal in in this culture since we have seen such a uh, dramatic increase in uh, the number of abortions since Roe v. Wade in this country across the world. I think a lot of our statistics even do not even account for the amount of abortions in other countries like Russia or China that are far worse than we are. So there is a tremendous amount of human uh, people on this planet who are suffered who are damaged by uh, abortion and uh, we certainly need more outreach towards uh, towards helping those people so before we get into what you do how about you tell us about where you came from and uh, what got you to where you're at today yes well I growing up as a teenager I believed that abortion was something that was necessary for women to achieve their educational and career goals. So it's not surprising that when I became pregnant at 18 that I chose to have an abortion. What was surprising for me was the emotional fallout. And for me, it was immediate. I was unprepared for that. Um, The sense of loss and sadness, uh, the guilt, uh, I, I knew deep inside that, um, you know, that I had, had ended this pregnancy. Obviously, nine months later, I would have had a child, um, but that child wouldn't be. And I suffered, though, for years in silence because I didn't know anybody else who was having the same type of experience. I, I, just, didn't, I just didn't know of that and thought I um, didn't want to reach out. Um, for a number of reasons, partially because I had kept the pregnancy and the abortion a secret from most of those that I knew, um, but also because I didn't know of others. Uh, I didn't cope well and uh, turned after a while into some very self-destructive behaviors. And when I finally began to contemplate hurting myself is when I was desperate enough to reach out 
for help, and I was very fortunate to find help. Where, where did you find that help? What, what form does it come in? Well, I was um, aware of a, a pregnancy center and had begun actually to help out there as a way to try to cope with the feelings that I was having. Um, it didn't really help, though. I only felt worse because of what was going on internally. But I was able then to reach out to the director because I trusted her and knew she was someone who was compassionate and who I felt would understand and went through a, a healing workshop and then also, by her recommendation, sought out individual therapy to deal with. Um, I had developed an eating disorder and that needed to be addressed as well as some other issues. So it was a kind of a combination of help. But certainly once, once I was able to reach out and realize that I wasn't alone, that there were other people who were feeling this way and that there was help for me, even though it took me really many more years to come to a place of wholeness, things mm. did improve significantly just taking that step. And then I began to really think about the number of perhaps other women or men who were feeling the way that I had before and didn't know that there was help available for them. And that's when the desire to do something to help out began to form. And I thought perhaps if I even told my story publicly that that would help to communicate to others that they weren't alone and that um, things could improve for them. Now, I know in this country we, we do a lot of debating about this very topic, uh, a lot of back and forth, and I think that um, that, in my opinion, I, it has to stay, the debate has to stay in the forefront. We have to continue to discuss it or else we're sort of conceding and never letting it uh, move forward. But at the same time, the debates certainly don't get to help any the, the people who are actually suffering. So... I think that your organization is trying to focus on helping people through this without focusing on the debates. Can you tell me, is that a, is that a fine line you have to walk, and, and how do you accomplish that? Well, you know, I think I, I've talked about my, my own story, but of course my story extends beyond myself. When I decided to go public with my story, it meant that I needed to reveal the secret of the pregnancy and the abortion to my family, and then I watched my family grieve over the loss of a family member. Again, I was unprepared for that. I, I hadn't really contemplated that my mm. parents had lost a grandchild and that my sister had lost a niece or nephew. And and as I watched them go through this, you know, began to think as you, you know, listen to television coverage or read an article or hear a debate in Congress that they didn't seem to be saying anything much helpful for my family as mm -hmm. they were trying to grapple with the loss of a family member. Mm -hmm. And and because then of my decision to, to speak publicly, and I do that in different venues, um, in college classes, um, as well as churches and other venues, people began to share their stories with me. So whether it was a a young man whose mother had an abortion and he knew about it, um, to a grandparent who had lost uh, twins, uh, to an uncle who every year at his son's 
birthday party thinks about his niece or nephew who would have been the same age and then worries for his sister how she's feeling because they were him his wife and his sister were pregnant at the same time Mm -hmm. and so as i hear these stories i think that those people are always uh they're in front of me. I see their faces. I hear their stories. I hear the anguish in their voice and then trying to come to some sort of peace with this. And so staying focused on them makes it really easy to think of how can we provide a place for these people to know that they're not alone, to know that resources are available, to allow them the space to try to work through their personal experiences with abortion. Yeah. Well, I know me personally, when I went through abortion, uh, I just didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't really want anybody to know. And um, it wasn't until I confessed that uh, many years later that it really began to wear on my psyche and and um, really have that effect. And uh, and it's it's a it's a tough thing for for people to to work through and I think in my personal experience I never think about the the um, secondary effects what I mean by that is the uncle the the brother the the father the mother I tend not to think about what they're feeling it's always sort of focused on the woman who's gone through the abortion and, and the damaging emotional effects that she's now suffering but how true is that that we have all these other people who um, who are now you know affected for Forever, their entire lives will always have this issue that uh, they now need to work through and and be able to uh, to uh, deal with that. So, talk to me about some of the ways that uh, abortion changes you is is helping these people. What what tools are you using? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a, several different resource tools, but our core resources are the website, which is abortionchangesyou.com, and this website is specifically for those who have either been touched by abortion, the the women, the men, the grandparents, other family members and friends, or for those who would like to gain a better understanding or be a, a safe place, a help for others, it, it helps them to gain that understanding. When you come to the website, it's, it's interactive. On the homepage, you view voices and stories, um, and not that you hear an audio audible voice that you see through images um, and text um, where different family members, their stories, what they've gone through, that allows you to begin to gain an understanding and invites you then to enter into what we call the Healing Pathways. And on the Healing Pathways, they're, again, interactive content that um, gives you some suggestions for uh, beginning to deal with the, the loss and the grief that abortion brings about and acknowledging that there is the central loss of that child, that family member, but there often are other losses that um, occur as well, loss in relationship, perhaps if the father of the child was pushing for the abortion or maybe it's a, a young woman and her parents really pressured her that can create great difficulty um, in relationship, if not a severance of relationship. Perhaps the people involved feel a, a separation from God, so it affects them in a, a spiritual loss. 
um, to a loss of innocence, a loss of hope and dreams. Uh, I think of mm. grandparents that I know of who their daughter aborted the only grandchild they would have had. So mm. it was the loss of that grandchild, but it was also then the loss of the ability to be an, a grandparent. So um, if you'd like to tell your story, you can do that right on the screen. I was an important part of being able to identify what your unique experience was like. Um, mm. If there's a, a place, you know, trying to get in touch with your emotions is really important as well to put a name on them. And there are different exercises that you can do leading all the way to um, reaching that really important part of the grieving process of being willing to let go of the pain and to move forward with the healing process, which can be really hard to do in an abortion. And I think that some of the stories, people can submit their stories to the website. Um, they don't post the live. Um, it does go through our web facilitator um, for confidentiality reasons and to make sure it's appropriate for others to view. Sure. But for so many of them, um, especially the men and the women who are involved, they make statements like, um, like I, it should hurt. <laughs> you know, it, it, I, it should hurt because I was the one who participated in this loss or I decided I was active in this loss. For others, there was a woman who wrote in recently who said, I should feel pain. It should hurt because that means that I'm acknowledging this child. And if it doesn't hurt as much or if I let go of the pain, then it's like I'm forgetting the child. Mm -hmm. And certainly for any of us who've lost someone close to us, I think we can understand where that anguish comes, where you almost feel that you are loving your, you know, if you've lost your mother, that you are saying that she's not as important or significant or you don't love her as much because you're moving on with your life. Um, it's the same type of a thing, but of course more complicated because you participated in the loss. But when someone's ready to make that statement, make that step, they can actually enter their initials in and submit it and mm. we call it our wall of hope because it says hope and so you see people's initials and the date where they made that decision. Um, as I mentioned, there also is the ability to submit stories, poetry, song lyrics, or artwork, and you can find that under Explore. So it's a safe environment where you can go there, it's confidential, you can do this privately, you can do it at 2 a.m. if that's the time that you're having some difficulties, something that you can go back to again and again, or maybe you only need to go there there once, but you also get to see, because of some of the interactive content, um, you get to see that other people are going through some similar things that you are, so it can also build that sense of you're not, you're not alone. Right. Um, also, if there's someone who needs knowing as they're moving through this, I mean, people, you know, you've already expressed it yourself, there's a range of emotions, and those yeah. emotions change over time, the meaning of the loss changes changes over time, but there will be a percentage of individuals like myself who, who really um, po coped poorly and needed some additional help than you'd be able to find on a website. And mm. you can pop in your zip code and healing resources in your local area will come up. So there are many different avenues 
too. Yeah. You know, um, we we focus on the issue of abortion because it's so um, vast and and damaging. However, you also deal with a lot of other losses that uh, miscarriages, stillbirths, infant deaths, things of that nature that are also very significant. Uh, my wife and I have had three miscarriages, and um, those are pretty hard to deal with. Um, yeah. th- th- those hurt a lot. And uh, I know uh, other families uh, who've ha- suffered through the same thing. So y- you're helping people with that too, right? Well, indirectly. I mean, certainly the the website, when you go to Abortion Changes You, it is focusing on the loss of abortion. So you see that language there. But the healing pathways, it's a, it's a grief loss healing model, which can certainly help in the other losses that you described. And we know, at least anecdotally, from stories um, that have been coming to us that there have been women and couples who have found it helpful as well um, in the case of, um, I think of, of one woman who had... Um, very, very, you know, late in the pregnancy, like five and six months, um, mm. she lost her children, and and she has been going to the website, and that's really helpful for her. Um, and I'm, I'm very sorry for your loss, and it is extremely difficult to deal with. And I think the difficulty increases because culturally, we don't, in my opinion, do a very great job. Um, acknowledging those types of losses and and then because we often don't talk about them it makes it difficult for family members and friends who would like to be supportive to know what to do right and i believe this website helps in that way Mm -hmm. so that if i'm if i'm watching somebody else go through this loss then and and I'm I don't know what to say and I know for for some they'll think well if I talk about it I'm going to cause more pain I'm going to remind them they might cry they may get upset but you know the the truth is and certainly you know this from personal experience that that's exactly what you need is for someone to acknowledge regardless of if tears come or if you you need to know that there's that support and that acknowledgement and and to be with that person, to let them talk, uh, to let them know that you understand, and then have that person direct you into what are the things that you could do to be a support to them. Absolutely. In fact, that's part of what uh, my wife and I do now is we um, we help other people who've suffered through this. We talk to them. We just listen to them and and uh, let them know that we we know what they're th- what they're feeling and what they're going through and. And we we sort of try to support them emotionally through this process, and yeah. and uh, it's it's a very tough thing, you know, all all kinds of loss, and it's amazing, um, it's sad, but it's it's amazing to really come to understand just how far-reaching the the effects are of these of these kinds of losses, and you know, just really seeing it in black and white, the experiences of the grandparents, of the brothers, and this in the the siblings that. The people who 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 not the woman getting the abortion or the woman with the miscarriages and et cetera, to see everybody else suffer through that, I think personally brings it home. You know, it really um, helps you to understand um, 
part of the human experience and 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 dealing with this this kind of emotional and physical um, um, you know psychological damage that we have to deal with now how what about the um, the parents or the grandparents or the relatives who have somebody who might have had uh, an abortion or a loss how what signs can we look for to see if this person is really struggling and we should be trying to help them and and get them uh, what they need right and that's well that can be a really difficult thing and i think it depends too on you know sometimes uh, we end up as families we know about an event, but the person themselves is under the impression that you don't know about it, which then can be very, very difficult to approach. I think, I'm sorry, I'm so struggles. That's one of the hardest things to do. I think that becoming, a, I think one of the first things to do for yourself, and I'm going to put aside for a moment if this person is actually having scary behavior, we can talk about mm-hmm. that in a moment, but becoming yourself a person who would be safe to talk to, uh, focusing on that, I think is really important because, as you know, with grief and loss, there's, there isn't a timeline, you know, and there isn't right. a set series of steps that you go through. And for someone to enter into the grieving process, um, to, to desire to move through that is something that has to, to start with them. And, and they'll move through that on their own timeline. And so for family members and friends, what we usually want to do is we want to rush in and fix it and right. we want to help them move through quickly because it, it pains us to watch them in so much pain. Right. But the thing is that that typically is not helpful to do that. We need to give that person space to be moving through this process at their own pace mm-hmm. um, for them to know that they have the space to do that that we're good listeners, that we will not correct their feelings. And I put that in quotes, but, you know, there's sometimes where we're alarmed when someone's expressing how they feel, and we almost want to uh, dictate to them, Mm. you know, well, then this is what you should do, or you shouldn't be feeling that. But to be able to listen, don't fix, don't force the healing, um, Mm. You know, don't correct them as they're moving through it. Making sure that you are keeping anything that is shared absolutely confidential, which is really important within a family system to be able to do that and to be clear about it. Perhaps they don't want anybody else in the family to know, or maybe they actually want you to be the person to to bring others into all of this. And then to be aware of resources. So that you can point them in a direction that will be helpful to them. So knowing about the website, abortionchangesyou.com in this instance, Mm -hmm. knowing that there are local healing resources listed on the site, knowing that there is a companion book as well, which is called Change, Making Sense of Your Own or a Loved One's Abortion Experience, that those resources are available for that person. I think the other thing would be that uh, to communicate your 
um, understanding of where there are to communicate that you're a safe person. Mm. Um, you could also um, approach them at, at a time that would be appropriate to let them know that you've recently come to a new understanding of, you know, what it's like to face an unexpected pregnancy and, and the reasons why a person could choose abortion and be communicating this in a compassionate and an understanding way. I think that then that communicates to them that you you will not then be, if they're sharing with you, they're not going to be hearing judgment from you, and also that you will not be minimizing the experience and the emotions that you're going through, and you may even want to verbalize that, because mm-hmm. certainly what, the way that abortion you know, can be dealt with or that we see it portrayed at least in the media is one of conflict, right. one of argument, one of sloganeering, you know, um, very polarized. And to be able to verbalize that and to say that you, can, uh, you could understand why people who have experienced abortion could be fearful to reach out because it, there may be an argument or they may be judged or condemned or because of somebody's you know, political leanings on abortion, they may say, well, no, you shouldn't be having a hard time. You know, it should be something easy for you. To be able to express that is Mm -hmm. really important. Um, But of course, and I'd mentioned before, if you're seeing risky and unhealthy behavior, uh, such as someone who um, is taking unnecessarily um, risks, um, that could be uh, causing injury to themselves or others, or you're seeing an increased use of alcohol, or you suspect that an eating disorder is developing. I mean, those types of more extreme um, and unhealthy behaviors, that's certainly a time where, you know, as family member and friends, we have an obligation to intervene. And at that point, my suggestion would be to intervene on the point of the behavior, even though you may suspect that it has something to do with abortion. Mm-hmm. Probably that person hasn't made the connection, and it's not going to be helpful to go to that. We need to deal with the suicidal behavior or the eating disorder or the alcoholism or drug abuse. That's what needs to be dealt with at that moment. And as that's being dealt with, um, then hopefully the root of it will be discovered as part of the treatment to bring that person back to health and safety. Wow. Well, the website is abortionchangesyou.com. It's a very good-looking website. Uh, You guys did a a great job uh, on this website. It's very attractive and appealing, and uh, it's also very concise, too. You don't have to search through the site to get to the core information, it's uh, it's readily available, which is very nice, too. Um, and uh, sharing our stories is a, a critical part of the healing process, just being able to talk about it, like you say. Um, it's it's really what's helped me, although it's still very difficult to uh, to get through, <laughs> you know, when, uh, when I start to think about um, the choices and decisions that I made and, uh, and the effects of those on uh, my life and the lives around me are are pretty staggering. So it's nice to have a resource to be able to fall back to that helps us to, to deal with that and to, to, to help us through that process is a, is a pretty great thing. So 
Michaeline, I want to thank you for being on the podcast today. Do you have any uh, closing thoughts for us? Any uh, any words of wisdoms or uh, anything else you want to promote? Well, I first of all, thank you so much for having me on and for being willing to not only talk about this really painful topic, but to share your own story. I would just encourage people to visit the website, abortionchangesyou.com, and to familiarize themselves with the site. Certainly, if you're someone who's experiencing abortion, I think that you will find um, some comfort on the site. But for those who haven't, um, it's a great tool to have a better understanding of where people are coming from and then for yourself to be in the position to help others who are going through that experience. Outstanding. Michaeline, God bless you. Thank you for being here today. I will thank you. The sorrow of the cross The endless gift of salvation One sacrifice for all A broken body claims victory over the idols of power and wealth. The promise of your my hope when I am nothing. I comfort in the life that you restore. I pray to know the fullness of your glory. Please let this break.
That's Brian Murdaugh and his track Make Us One Body from the Podsafe Music Network. And for a link to that, go to the show notes on the blog at www.catholichack.com, where I will post that there. It's a great song, isn't it? About the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ making us the one body. Fed from the one loaf. Now, you want to talk about healing? That's where you go to be healed. That's power right there. So I love that song. It really sets the tone for the topic of healing. That was a great interview with Michaeline Friedenberg, and I hope you enjoyed that, and I would love to hear back from you on that. So send your comments to catholichack at gmail.com or give me a call, 713-568-6277. Love to hear your feedback. I have a lot coming up and going on, and I, I want to get into that. But before I do, I, I promised I would share with you a, a very quick story that a listener to this podcast, uh, Roland from San Antonio. Now, Roland once told me, he and I chat quite often, actually, through Google, and we had a, a, a near encounter miss just recently when he came to Houston for some continuing education at the University of Houston. I tried to go visit him, but my GPS sent me way off course, and and our time was expired, and he had to go back to class, and I had to go back to work, and so we never even got to hook up. But once he told me about how he came to be born, about his young mother, when she was pregnant with him, had to run away because her, her father wasn't going to support this. And she ran away to have him. And then she put him up for adoption. Now this... This, my friends, talks about the power of sacrifice and the value and dignity of human life. See, Roland is immensely valuable. His life means something. And his mother, although in very dire circumstances, faced certain trouble, faced an uncertain future, and, and made sure that Roland had an opportunity at life. You see, today, Roland not only is married and has children. Now imagine that those children would not exist had his mother not been brave enough to, to ensure that he had been born. Those children would not be here today. Now Roland has recently become an attorney, a defense attorney. Now imagine everybody that Roland will defend in court. He will represent them in court. Now they wouldn't get their day in court with Roland if he hadn't been born. So we can quickly see how our interactions in our society can show that abortion can drastically affect our everyday lives and our society. Imagine what we are missing today because we miss an entire generation of Americans, of human beings from around the world. Millions and millions and millions and millions have lost their lives in abortion. Maybe some of them could have been peacekeepers. Maybe some of them could have brought peace to places like Darfur. Maybe some of them could have helped with the economy. Maybe some of them could have seen a, a better way to treat cancer or AIDS. Or you name the issue. And so when Roland told me the story, I was obviously quite moved. It was a powerful experience. 
to hear how his mother was so brave to face all of this certain trouble in her life, to run away and to ensure that Roland was born, and then to give him up for adoption so that he could have a shot at life. That takes courage, takes guts. We need more of that today, that we need more of that today. That is what Convert Obama really is, begging God for mercy and for the Holy Spirit to give President Obama the desire for, uh, for conversion in his own life and to ultimately reverse his pro-death policies in his government. That's what we long for. That's what we sacrifice for. That's what we pray for. So I pray that if you haven't already, that you'll join the over 514 people now who have signed up this Lenten season to do just that. So go to ConvertObama.com and sign up. Give someone else like Roland a shot at life to have an impact on our, our society in our lives. I wouldn't have the friendship of Roland today if his mother hadn't given him a, a, an opportunity at life. I would personally suffer as a result of that. So let's change that. Let's pray. Let's do what we can do right now. Take action and pray and sacrifice. Uniting our sacrifices to the cross, as Colossians 1.24 tells us, to fill up that which is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. What is lacking in Christ? You and me. <laughs> us. Nothing lacks in Jesus unless we're not there to fill it up. Anyway, let me get on to talking about what I've been doing. I've been working full steam ahead on the next Fullness of Truth conference, which will take place here very shortly, March 28th and 29th, 2009, in Corpus Christi, Texas, at the American Bank Center. We have a full lineup. It is going to be a great time. We're, we are very excited about this, but at the same time, we're also very, very nervous about this because, you know, the bishop has asked us to bring 6,000 people to this conference. Last year, we had 4,500, and so we are really striving, you know, to to get a bigger crowd this time. Not because the numbers, you know, how look at look how great we are. We've got a big crowd. No, because this year... What we're trying to do and what the, the diocese is doing in Corpus Christi is trying to bring back wayward Catholics, bring them home to the mass. Because the bishop told me there is seven, the average mass attendance in his diocese is 17%. 17% of Catholics go to mass. Now, out of that 17%, what we also have 40 days for life to draw off of. We have all the uh, ministries that you can ever think of in your parish. All of those are drawn from a base pool of only 17% of Catholics. And out of that 17%, it's likely only 1% to 2% of those will even ever endeavor into a ministry such as 40 Days for Life or Bible study or food pantry or prison ministry or you name it. Only 1% to 2% of the 17%. Now imagine, imagine if you invited someone to Mass today. Imagine if we all invited someone who hasn't been to Mass in forever, or really a long, maybe even a long time. Imagine if we can increase that 17% to, say, 25%. Imagine how much more we can accomplish if we just simply asked. That's what the diocese is trying to do. They've 
rolled out their Catholics Come Home effort during this Lent, and they're playing the Catholics Come Home commercials on television all throughout Corpus Christi, all throughout Lent, and it's a, it's a great endeavor. And they've sent out these beautiful color brochures and, and materials to all the parishes asking the faithful to do just that, to ask someone to come home to the Mass, to tell them, hey, we miss you. We want you back. And hey, if you've never been Catholic, we want you to come home. Come home to the Mass. That's what the bishop asked us to do at Fullness of Truth. And so that's what we're doing for our conference. We've entitled this conference Search and Rescue. And it's subtitled How to Bring Your Loved Ones Back or Into the Fullness of the Faith. And so... We've lined up some great speakers. We have Father Mitch Pacwa. We have Steve Ray, Teresa Tamio. We have Hector Molina Jr. We have Shannon Dietz. We have special video presentations by Father Carapi. And I'm going to get onto more about him in a minute. But uh, Father Carapi is, as you know, not traveling this year. He's got only one main uh, presentation for the whole year, which he'll be live at. And we'll talk about that in a second. But so for this conference, and we've had him in the past, for this conference, he's given us um, specially produced video content that we're going to play at the conference live and in huge silver screen there at the Selena Auditorium at the American Bank Center. It's going to look fantastic. Last year on that same screen, and it is a monster, monster screen, we played the movie Bella there at the conference, and it was a great hit. So this year, everybody is excited to see what Father Karapi has to say to them, because this is very specific to Corpus Christi. And so we're excited about having his participation as well. We also have Shannon Dietz, who is a youth minister here in the Diocese of Galveston, Houston, who also uh, spoke at World Youth Day in Australia. We have Father Sam Medley from the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity. And we have a whole Spanish track and a youth track with Sean Carney on both the adult and the youth stage. Now, some of you may or may not know, but Sean Carney is the co-founder of 40 Days for Life. And Sean is a great guy. He's a very energetic young guy, full of life and uh, on fire for the faith and on fire for the pro-life movement. And so we're excited about having Sean uh, participate in our program. Now, the American Bank Center, if you've not been to Corpus Christi, is a beautiful facility right there on the bay, on the water, downtown Corpus Christi. And I've actually been Twittering as I've been traveling down there and taking pictures of the various views from different stages. Because we're going to have an, uh, two adult stages going on in English. We're going to have a youth stage going on. And a Spanish stage, plus a separate stage for Father Carapi's video content, all at the same time. Plus child care, plus a perpetual adoration. We'll have mass with the bishop, and we're going to have confession uh, all going on simultaneously. And then at lunchtime, we're going to have a, a little special presentation and concert with a local clown called Percy Prazem. Now, this is a, a Catholic clown, and so we're very excited about him providing great, clean, fun, wholesome entertainment for the entire family during their lunch hour. So there's something for everyone at this conference. And and I really hope that if you are anywhere near the state of Texas, and if not, jump on a plane, because it really would be worth it. And I would personally love to meet you there as well. So um, check it out at fullnessoftruth.org, where you can go to the conferences page, and then specifically to the Corpus Christi Conference, 
and you can get more information. You can register and you can actually see the video clip of me promoting it and the video clip of Bishop Carmody promoting it. So please do that today. And if you can't come, maybe you know somebody who can. And maybe you can help me by getting the word out. Because I don't want to be the guy to tell Bishop Carmody that I didn't meet his objective, that I didn't bring together the 6,000 people that he asked me to in order that we might bring them home to the Mass. We might increase his 17% to, say, 25%. Well, anyway, do that today. Check it out. Let's get back to Father Karapi real quick. As I said, there's only going to be one live presentation by Father Karapi in 2009, because as everybody knows, he's really slowed down due to, I think, health reasons. And so this year, the only time he's going to be live and in person is going to be on August 15th up in Buffalo, where he and Raymond DeRorio are putting together a conference entitled Lord and Giver of Life, where he's going to give four presentations. Well, I just so happen to have an opportunity to give out tickets for free to that conference. And I would love to give you an opportunity to win those tickets and go and see Father Grappi and maybe even meet him. Uh, his line's probably going to be pretty long, but hey, you can stand in that line, right? So anyway, I'm going to give you a special opportunity to, give, to win these tickets. I'm going to give them away. Just a pair, just two. The other tickets I'm giving away at the Fullness of Truth Conference. So if you want more opportunity, you're going to have to come to that conference. And then maybe you'll win them there. In the meantime, we live in perilous times. And it seems to me that things are getting more and more crazy, more and more out of control. We live in a troubled economy that's on the verge of collapse. We're surrounded by violence. At least down here in Texas, we have the border uh, towns in Mexico are out of control. We have states that are starting to go the way of even increased abortion on demand, homosexual gay lobby rights. We're going into assisted suicide rights. I mean, everything around us, the moral structure of our society seems to be crashing down. It's making a lot of people very nervous. So it would not surprise me at this point if you run into, say, co-workers, neighbors, people that you know, maybe people who believe in the rapture, and they're going to want to know what's going to happen to you when they're raptured out of here. Now, we've already had a, a show on this subject with Carl Olson, but I'm going to challenge you. The first caller at 713-568-6277 to tell me the church's position on the rapture and how to refute when your neighbor or your friend or some acquaintance of yours says, well, the Bible says that we're going to be raptured out of here and we're not going to have to undergo all this tribulation. The first caller at 713-568-6277 to give me the, the refuting of that doctrine, that Protestant doctrine, will win this pair of tickets to see Father Karate live and in person up in Buffalo. You'll have to provide your own transportation. Once again, I want to say a special thank you to Michaeline Friedenberg and AbortionChangesYou.com 
for more on that and the link to her website, please visit www.catholichack.com, where you will also find a link to the song Make Us One Body by Brian Murdoch off the Podsafe Music Network, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I would also like to ask you to stop by the 912 Project. A link will be on the show notes on catholichack.com. This is a project put together by Glenn Beck from the Fox News Network. Now, I'm not sure if you saw the special on Friday, March 13th, 2009, but it seemed very interesting to me. Unfortunately, I missed most of the video and had to catch some of the the audio uh, after the fact. But I want you to check out the 912 Project, and I want to get your feedback on that. What do you think? What do you think of these times that we live in today, these crazy times, and how this might affect your faith? Is it time to run for cover? Is it time to put away all the money we might have or the assets and just buy gold and silver because who knows what we're going to be trading in in the future? How should we react as Catholics, as Christians in this current environment? I want to hear from you. 713-568-6277. As I said, a lot of folks are getting very nervous. So that's why I really wanted you to be ready for that rapture question so that you can evangelize, take that opportunity as a teachable moment. And so that's why I'm going to reward you. First caller is going to get those tickets to see Father Karapi up in Buffalo. And if you've never seen Father Karapi live, let me tell you something, you're missing something. I saw him back in Boston a couple of years ago at a men's conference. Him and Scott Hahn both were there. It was a phenomenal day, a great day. So be sure to do that today, 713-568-6277. And as always, be sure and check me out on Twitter. I think I've gotten more followers in the last month since TweetCatholic.com has launched than I have in probably the last six months. You can find me at Catholic underscore hack there on Twitter. You can also follow me on Facebook. You can follow me four marks. I mean, I'm all over the place. So I think the best place, what I frequent the most is Twitter. So stop by there, Catholic underscore hack. And as always, I really need your help on iTunes. So leave me a review today, a positive review. You know, you can leave the negative ones for everybody else. Just give me the positive ones. Anyway, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. Until next time, may God richly bless you. From the Catholic Underground. 